0: All right, guys. So I want to talk to you today. If you, I don't think it's back here again. I just had to make sure. But if you just tuned in online, you clicked on a video that said, The Ancient Way, and that's the name of this sermon. And I wanted to address it because some people, I think, if you were here the last two Sundays, might be thinking that all the pastors are preaching the same thing. Because two Sundays ago, Reverend Joel Moss of SCS preached on preparing the way. Last week, Pastor Stephen preached on getting in the way, making sure we're in God's way, right? Doing the things that he wants to do. And today, I'm going to be talking to you about the ancient way. But I want to encourage you, church, that all of us heard those titles separately. That was not something we discussed. So obviously, God wants us to hear about getting in his way, preparing the way, and what it means to be a part of this ancient way. Amen? Amen. So we want to hear the word of the Lord today. So if you would join me in prayer, please extend your hands and your hearts, not just to me, but to one another so that all of our hearts would be open and the word of the Lord would be heard today. Lord, I thank you so much that we can gather together on a Sunday and just enjoy fellowship with one another. And thank you for the awesome testimonies that you bring into our lives and through our lives every week. And I pray now, Lord, that you would use me to preach your word in truth, that none of me would get in the way this would all be for your glory. and That every heart in this room would be receptive to hear your word. I pray, Lord, that all of us, even the hard parts of today's message, would be able to be received because we are a people who put you first. Have your way in our lives today, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said? We're going to need a little bit heartier than that today, folks. All of God's people said? Amen. Whoa! There we go. Okay. Now I'm ready. That was it. Now, youth. I just gotta say, uh, are any of the youth group kids in here? Raise your hand. Okay. This time you're in it around. You'll have heard this not this way because we've been talking about this in youth now for a few months. And just to encourage you, we don't teach you anything different than we teach your parents. God's law doesn't change when you get to a certain age. It's always the same. We're always the same kind of people. So. If, they, if there's any questions on the ride home, youth, you be sure to fill your parents into the Genesis parts here because that's going to be your test. See whether or not you were paying attention. All right. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, we love to hear and learn about and teach God's truth. We're very grateful for the eternal life that he gives us. But today... We're going to talk about what does it mean to be in this ancient way? What does it mean you're the way? At the end of the worship set, Brad prayed something and just registered to me because I knew what I was going to be preaching about. He said, Lord, have your way in our hearts today. Who's ever heard that or prayed that before? Okay, good. If ever you've been wondering what you're praying, this is what today's message is about. This is what it means to have God's way in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your heart. And this is not something that kind of developed at the time of Jesus or something that the psalmists wrote about because it was just a cool way to say something. From day one, actually from day six, this has been true in the creation of the world. On day six, God created all the creatures of the earth and he created... Man and woman, that's right. Men, we're just dust. We're, and you can tell looking at us, right? We're a little dusty, a little bit dirtier than the ladies, okay? But God took the dust of the earth and he blew his spirit into us. The first thing we saw was God. Can you imagine being Adam? You're just dust. And then all of a sudden, your eyes open. Life, you don't even know what life is. And you open your eyes and there's God. And it's really important that Adam saw God first. You want to know Why? Because God then told Adam why he was created. He says, You were created to be my image. Later on, God tells his people to have no other images in their community, in their life, in their home. Why? Because they're already an image, they're his image, and they can't have any other distractions. If they want to know how they are to live, they're to do what? Look to? You guys are smart. We look to God. And it's the first thing that mankind ever did. The first thing man ever did was open his eyes and look at God. And that's exactly how we're supposed to live our life. Every single second of every single day. In the book of James, chapter one. Now, I already have a couple people going, okay, here we go. James, is this a work-based guy? Work-faith kind of guy? No. No. You get into heaven because of the free gift of grace that Jesus Christ gives to us. You can't fake doing works to get into glory. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear a Pentecostal amen? Amen. There it is. You can't get into heaven working harder. But when you start to look more like Jesus, he starts to do more in you. And when you do things more like Jesus... It looks like the things that James is bringing up. So it has nothing to do, in case you've ever been confused reading James, it has nothing to do with working to get something and everything to do with, is God working in me or not? What's the evidence of him working in me? And this is what James says in chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. He talks about, oh, do we do you have it up? All right, I'll read it. Let's read it together. This is church, by the way. Ready? I'll set the tempo. Here we go. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once, forgets what he was like. Now, this is in reference to the word of God in that we are supposed to constantly be looking to God's word, constantly looking to the example that Christ set us in order to know how we're looking and what we ought to do. That's what this, this uh, verse is in reference to. Now, I know a lot of you often are like, Pastor Michael, you should probably look in the mirror more often. You know, your hair's a little messed up today. I'm pretty sure those are slippers and not shoes. I have a reputation for needing to look in a mirror a little more often around here. I know that. But I also know that many of us, wait, went to the wrong pocket. We walk around with these things. Who's got one? Show it up. And if you were playing a game, turn off the phone so the pastor doesn't see you playing the game and hold it up we have these phones, and they allow us to constantly look at ourselves if we want to. We take pictures of ourselves, take pictures of other people. Who's ever had to look at the video, the camera, and take something out of their teeth? You ever do that? It's okay. Don't be ashamed. We are a family. It's a, There you go. Two hands. Wow. That's, a, that's like a double amen over there. Don't share what you're eating, Nicole, but God bless you. Anyway, my wife always says, you know, you should use this more. You should look at yourself more to make sure you don't look the way you look when you're out and about. I remember before we had phones, who remembers before there were phones and you were like, someone's like, you have something in your teeth. I can't see it. They're like, well, it's there, I'm telling you. And you can't get, and you like would get to a random car in the parking lot and you're like, (laughs) like, and you're like, what is that guy doing? Now you'd ask a question, but back then you were like, "Ah, he's got something in his teeth, you know? We have constant access to look at ourselves. You know what else we have constant access to look at? God. Always. But we don't. We don't look at ourselves all the time. Thank God, right? That's only going to increase pride and insecurity. But we are supposed to look at God all the time. And wouldn't it be wonderful if there was an opportunity for us to constantly be with God all the time? Well, let's go all the way back to the beginning. Man's created and then God creates woman, beautiful, my wife, very beautiful, in the front here, Cezanne Sinclair. Easy with the whistles, fellas. But she is, she's other beautiful ladies here. God creates both of them, man and woman. And then he places them in Eden. And this is what Eden is about. Now remember, man is created outside the garden, and then God brings him to Eden. Well, what's the purpose of Eden? Why didn't he just say, you are where you are and go from there? because Eden is a very specific thing. It is a special place in this world where man gets to always be with God all the time. And as he's looking at God in the garden all the time, he's mimicking him, following him, being a disciple of the living God, and in so doing, is able to perfectly live out his purpose which is to reflect him in the world. Now, eventually, had we not fallen, we would have outgrown Eden, or maybe Eden would have grown. Not sure, but what would have happened is that there would have been more people who bore the image of God. In fact, that was God's command. He said, listen, here's your wife. Now be fruitful and multiply. Not have kids so I can have more workers. If you compare the ancient Hebrew text to other Middle Eastern ancient texts, The gods of those cultures wanted humans to have more slaves. But in the Hebrew text, man is treasured and cherished. They're the image of God in the world. And God wanted them to be fruitful and multiply so he could fill the earth with his image. The earth was created by God. It's only going to be blessed by more things that look like him. Amen? So that was the plan. And it has been the plan since the beginning of time. Now, we can talk up here or in Bible studies or with your children about anything in Scripture. Anything is up for grabs. Forgiveness, righteousness, wisdom, doing works the right way, fruits of the Spirit. All these things are up for grabs. But every single one of them is to be taught for the purpose of helping us. Walk in the way better. Those things are not the way. Those things are the fruits of walking in the way. So you could learn about forgiveness your whole life and still be bitter because you're learning about forgiveness over here. You get it. You could preach it. I could give you this mic right now and you could preach an excellent sermon on forgiveness, but you don't know what it feels like because you can't feel real forgiveness unless you're walking in God's way. But we teach about it because that's what it looks like when you're in God's way. Forgiveness looks like this. That's true for any topic in scripture. So today, we're literally answering the question, what is the meaning of life? That's what we're talking about. And God told us when he created us, it's our job to live in it properly today. So who's ready? Pentecostals people, who's ready? There it is. All right, amen. So we're going to look at the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Just a couple quick points about each. But we know that our God is has lived forever in constant community, always. In fact, the only time God ever said something wasn't good in creation was when man was alone. Everything's good, 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 not good. Man's alone. Wife, good. Good, 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 very good. Because God had always been in community. And actually, the plan at the very end is to bring us into that. We are to be wed as a church to Christ. Amen? And to forever be joined to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and know what it means to bear his image properly. We're getting there. And we're walking it out in the meantime. So that's always been the plan. And there are two things that I find that constantly get in the way. Now, there's many things. I get it. There are many things. But these two things, they come up all the time. One is self-preservation. We're going to call it fear. How many of you have fear in your life? All right. Hands down. Sorry. We'll get more hands when we do this. How many of you have somebody in your family who struggles with fear? Boom. It's out there. And it's in the church. And it shouldn't be in the church because Christians are not fearful. When you're in God's way, there is no fear. And some of you are literally looking at me going, he just needs to live a little more life. He'll get it. That's not true. But it is true. Don't believe the lies of the world. Don't believe the lies you've learned over time. The scriptures are very clear. When you're a Christian, there is no fear. Amen? We need to say it. We need to believe it so that we can walk in it. The second thing is comfort. Now, New York, I know you don't need another person telling you how comfortable you look or where the money needs to go. I get it. But this keeps Christians from walking in God's way constantly. And I'm going to call comfort selfishness because it's really what it is. You're putting yourself before God. Now, you can be in God and be comfortable, But being in God doesn't always mean you're going to be comfortable. So let's look at these two things real quick. First one is being fearful. Israel said yes to God. They were at Mount Sinai. He just freed them from Egypt. Praise the Lord. We're no longer slaves. We said yes to an almighty God. He is our Savior. He's our Deliverer. He's going to walk it out with us. Amen. And that's where we are when we say yes to the gospel. And we even see some amazing things at first. He split the Red Sea. I never thought I was going to be better again with my dad in my entire life. He gave us the law. He gave us manna. Oh, my goodness. He's, he's healing relationships in my life. I finally got that job. This thing was healed. We see miracles. But just like the Israelites, we get to the desert. Now, here's the funny thing about the desert. When they got to the desert, they were literally on the way to the promised land. It wasn't like, hey, let's just check out this desert. You like it? No, we'll try it. It wasn't like house hunting for them. They had to walk through the desert on their way to the promised land. He just delivered them, just provided for them. He's still providing for them. They're still drinking water and eating manna with fat bellies complaining about how God's not giving them enough. On their way to more blessing. And all they can think to say is, you know, in Egypt we didn't have to do this. I mean, we were building pyramids. We didn't walk this much. I always knew what I was going to eat. I had my schedule in order. How many of you are schedule people? When you're a slave, you kind of have your schedule. You just work all day. That's it. Schedules in order, done. And now they don't know what's ahead of them. It's scary. To be truly free, you really have to have faith in God. Someone needs to hear that today. To really be free in God You really have to have faith, real faith that he's got the future. They finally get to the promised land. All they have to do is look back and go, wow, you have not failed us once. I'm down. Let's do this. And they're on the edge and they go, no, there's no way you can do that. You can't beat those giants for us. And they wander the desert, always on the move. They don't sit in the desert. They're always on the move, but never walking into the promise. And there are people here today, men and women. I've been there myself. There are people here today, right now, every time you come to church. You get off your camel and you go, thank God there's a well here. Get the water bags. And then you just, boom, doom, 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 praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Up, 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 up. I love my friends. I love my friends. And we go. That's Sunday. And the rest of the week is just, ah, oh, I can't wait till Sunday. What is the purpose of all this sand? You live like that. And this is not to negate that there are wilderness seasons in our life. We'll all walk through wilderness seasons. But if you've been walking in a wilderness season your whole life, something's wrong. And I'll tell you what it is. It's fear. You might not even be able to peg it because it's just ingrained that it's natural. You learned it from mom. She learned it from grandma, but she was better than grandma, so I'm better than her, but it's still fear. It's killing you. And you need to ask God to pull it out of your life so you can finally step into the promised land and be living the way you were meant to live. <laughs> Love the claps. Thanks, guys. It really is encouraging. All right. Let's move on to comfort. A bunch of people just went, oh, my gosh, please, no. You just got more comfortable in your pew getting ready for the comfort talk. We are taught from children in America, especially in New York, if you just work a little harder, you'll get there. If you're just a little less dumb, you can be smart. If you just have a little more oomph, you'll make your dreams come true. You got to make sure your kids are in this and that. You got to take your wife out. You haven't talked to your wife in two weeks. When you take her out, you're like, hey, your face looks nice. You're not, you're not even making time for her. And now you're going to take... We're always taught to do things. Just do, do. And we don't know how to pause and remember that we're not supposed to be doing all those things chasing comfort anyway. It's not comfortable chasing comfort. We were meant to be a people who walk contentedly. A Christian who is rich is content. A Christian who is poor is content. Does the money have anything to do with it? No. I didn't get a lot of answers here because in New York, it's like, yeah, but man, it really helps. And it does. This isn't to say that you don't work hard or use your finances well or choose to make sure you're a good worker and you're wise. Those are also all things that we see godly men and women are. But don't confuse making it with knowing God. In fact, many people who make it missed God. We're not even going to go into the whole sheep and goats conversation. That's another one. I'll let Pastor Zarlane go handle that. But that's the real thing, okay? If you don't know what I'm talking about, ask somebody who just laughed. Obviously, they know what I'm talking about. But seriously, don't chase comfort. Here's why. When Israel was finally in the land, they were settled in all their villages and towns, Joshua was about to die, and he says to them, "Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods be in beyond the river in Egypt that your forefathers served, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But as for me and my household, we will, we will serve the Lord." Now hold on, because you just said you know the verse, and you might be here because you want to live out that verse. But let me tweak what Joshua said in a modern context. You grew up Italian. So choose. Do you want to be Italian or Christian? You grew up Norwegian or Hispanic. Choose. Do you want to be that or Christian? Because those worlds will collide. You are an American, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. You are a Long Islander. You are a Republican. You are a Democrat. You are a New Yorker. You are whatever you are, whatever it is. Are you that or are you a Christian? Church, you have to pick the number one thing that I see holding us back as believers on this island is that we are trying to be the best image we can be for God instead of forgetting who we are and just being God, being Jesus. We're the mirror. When we look at him and we're constantly just, what do you? would you do? What would you do? What do you want? What would you do? What are you doing? I want to be where you are. I want to do what you're doing. The world sees that. Like, you're a little odd. You're a little off. There have been multiple times people have been cursing me out on the street, just like, "Ah, I don't know what I did. I don't even know who these people are. And I look at them, I go, hey, I'm so sorry to offend you. Is there anything that you need prayer for? Like, what are you, like, what are you, like, uh, what are you, Jesus? And there's a little part of me that goes, yes. It finally happened on the subway. Somebody saw Jesus. And it's not because I'm special. It's because if somebody was yelling at Jesus, he'd probably move out of the way so he didn't get hit. But he would also say, hey, do you need prayer? I can't tell you how many times people go, actually, I've been going through a lot, man. And you just get a chance to pray with them. It's beautiful. You're walking in the way. I remember my grandfather used to take us out to eat, and he would pay all the time, but he would always give us a... Li- How many of you grew up in a house where you were given a number, and you go down the menu to figure out what your options are? Like, five bucks. Okay, five bucks. Okay, I'll have the fries, you know? And my wife grew up. It's like, what do you want, honey? So she sits down. And she's like, oh, look at the options. I'm like, I'll have this or this. Hmm. My grandfather would take us out, he'd give us a number, we'd pick it, and then we would have a nice time together. But then the waiter would come over with the check. Now, my grandfather was one of the first people in our family saved. So he had a little bit of a head start on the rest of us on what it meant to live and look like Jesus. And the waiter would come over, and all the time, every time, he'd go, hey, is there anything I could pray for for you? And I, when I got old enough to know that this could be embarrassing, I would die inside a little bit. I was like, please, he doesn't care. She doesn't want prayer. She just wants to move on to the next table. And guess what? I was wrong. There are waitresses and waiters who need prayer. And then you have to leave them with a good tip, cheapos. Don't do that. Leave them with a good tip. But you pray with them. I've seen people break down at the table. As a child, my grandfather acted like Jesus. And today I get the opportunity to do the same thing. Not because I'm being like grandpa, but because grandpa taught me to be like Jesus. And that moves us into our next point, which is Jesus came and he taught us, this is, Christ, this is God the son. So that was God the father, bear my image, God the son. Make disciples. My grandfather was making a disciple in me, but let me tell you something else that's special about my grandfather. He didn't look at that command, the last command Jesus ever gave us, and go, well, I have kids, so. Check. There were people in my house growing up all the time. Now, I get that my family might be more inclined to want to have company or have hospitality, and other families aren't like that. But let me say again, it doesn't matter what your family was like or what you prefer. You now need to pick because Christians have people over their house all the time. They make food for people to teach them about Jesus. They let them see when their kids are having a tantrum, so how you handle it. Their neighbors know when there's a conflict with their wife and then they talk to them about it and then they get to see how you handle Loving your wife well afterwards. People need to be in your life if you want to make disciples. And half this room, if I was a betting man and I'm not, I would bet money that more than half the people in this room don't know all the neighbors on our blocks. We're just not that kind of a culture. But it doesn't matter what our culture is because when you leave your culture, leave your preferences, leave what you prefer, and you get in the way, and you walk in the way, and it's not a new thing. This is an ancient way. God's people have been doing this for thousands of years. You let people in your life, and you show them who God is. That might be a tough one to swallow, but that's an actual example of how you can pray more. You can invite people. Hey, is there anything I can pray for you? You can tithe. You can serve. I'm not just saying that because there's kids ministry signups in the front before you walk out on the left right after Brad and Rebecca's table. That's not why I'm saying that. That's not the reason. It's because we do things. Every Christian in your life, as they yield more and more and surrender more and more to God, will look more and more like each other as they become more and more like Jesus. In fact, in the ancient church you could not even become a Christian this is later on, like maybe a century or so afterwards, until you were a disciple there was no coming up to the altar amen, and then walking out see you next time I need something no, they were like I want to be a Christian, I love the way you guys are living and they're like, really? All right, sell everything you have and we'll see you here tomorrow, bring the money what do you mean bring the money? Oh, your money belongs to church now. What do you mean? That's what it means. You, you, everything you do is with us. Everything. And they did. Why was that such a hard hurdle? We don't do that here if you're a visitor. You're like, I'm not coming to this church again. Get me out of here. We don't do that. I'm just saying the principle is they, they made the first hurdle a big jump because they knew that once you learned how to walk in the way, you would probably most likely die next to them in a few years. And they wanted to praise the Lord as they died with people who they knew were all in. Not in on a Sunday, not in half a tithe because it wasn't as much of a bonus as I thought. They weren't, it was, you're all in, you're all in. And then when they saw that you were serious about being all in, there would be this glorious celebratory mass baptism They'd be like, here comes Larry. We didn't have the highest hopes, but he really showed that he cares about Jesus. He's in, he's out, he's ours. And then he would go die with you later. That was the church. It was rough. It was not an easy environment, but that's how we got started because Jesus was our example. And the last bit is the Holy Spirit. He also does something in our lives. He bears fruit. You want to know what they are? I wrote them down because sometimes I mix them up so I want to make sure I read them to you. The fruit of the Spirit. We're not going to repeat them together. I'm just going to say them and I want you to think about your life. Actually, let's do a fun little thought experiment. Look at your neighbor. Now you just look at me and you let me know if they remind you of this. Ready? Are they the example of love? Do they reflect joy in every moment of their life? Stop looking at them now. It's not like i look at them and smile as we go through the list thing. Let's keep it up here. Peace. Are they peaceful? Does peace define them? Patience. (laughs) Some of you can't help it. You're like, we're about to find out on the drive home, aren't we? (laughs) Kindness. This one I want to do a little more serious about, though. Serious. Because it's not a comedy sketch. I'm actually teaching you the, the principles of Scripture here. Is kindness. If I asked your spouse... What comes out of your mouth more easily, is it kindness or criticism? And I'm going to warn you not to lie to me because I know your children, and they've already said. <laughs> Seriously, is Dad and Mom more critical or kind? Oh, well, you have to understand—they grew up in a rough environment; they had a tougher life. You got to know—they work at the my dad worked in a firehouse. No, no, no. There are no excuses. When you join the army, you're all in. You're not allowed to look like anything else. You're just a soldier. This house of God here in Smithtown is not a Christian country club that has a God hobby. I'm preaching. Thank you. We're not. If you think that who, your preferences matter more than God's, You think you're in a country club, and you're not. We are a family. We are a team. We are an army. If you think that you can tell us and brag about how you are with the guys all the time, and my mother taught me, that doesn't matter as much as, hey, we're really impressed when you look a lot like Jesus here. That's what this house is. Don't brag about anything else. We're New Yorkers. We all know somebody richer than you. All of us. Everybody of us knows somebody who has a bigger house or more businesses or who worked at a place longer than you. My grandfather taught me more than you did. Those things don't matter. They don't matter. What matters is how much do you look like Jesus and how good are, are all of us. This is for me too, guys. How good are we at bringing people into our lives and saying, hey, do you see the fruit in my life that the Holy Spirit's built? I want you to have it and follow me as I follow Christ. We're being fruitful and we're multiplying and we're filling the world with image bearers. That was the call from day one. It's what Jesus came back to repair and it's what the Holy Spirit is doing every single day right now. Don't miss it. Looking at yourself. Break your mirror and look up. Right now, do it. Amen? (laughs) Don't get me fiery with the amens. I can't. I'm actually going to ask the band to come up. I wanted to end this. I apologize for those of you who are more time conscious than myself. We are a couple minutes over. I apologize. Just a couple. Thank you. But I can't. I can't. I have to honor and respect. I'm so sorry. I love you guys. I don't know. Thank you, guys. But seriously, we're ending now. But this is how I want to end. This is how I want to end. If you are serious today, if you're serious about stopping being, you came in as yourself, but if you just want to leave like Jesus, leave yourself here. If you want to unite your hearts with us today, those of us who've said yes to the call of Christ, I want you to stand. But don't stand if you're not serious. You don't have to stand. But if you'd like to stand and unite our hearts together, that when you look at me, you will see Jesus. When you look at my marriage, you'll see love. When you look at the people in my life, you'll see disciples. When you ask me questions, you'll hear the voice of God. If that's the call that you're responding to today, I want us to raise our hands and sing this song together. Will we choose today? To be a people that chooses Him? Will we be known for nothing other than Him? Will we bear His image and not our own for Him? Let me pray for us before we enter in. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for every heart here today. I thank you that you have raised up a people who want you so that we want your way in our hearts and not in a quick prayer. We really want your way in our hearts, always. And just like Brad prayed before, Lord, may that be true right now. Your way in our hearts, in our marriage, in our finances, in our time, in our homes, not in one-hour coffee moments with people that we want to be thankful for and teach about the word. Always, Lord, constantly on fire, all in for you. We raise our hands and we surrender to you now. In Jesus' name.